0: It doesn't work. So, and here's why it doesn't work. Because if you're coaching, two things happen. One, you're not, you're not creating any kind of gap for the person. And a gap is necessary. A gap meaning here's where you are now. Here's where you want to get to my offer closes the gap. So if you're coaching, you are not having a conversation to create a gap. You're co- You're having a conversation to close a gap because that's what good coaching does. So there is no impetus for the next offer, doesn't work, period. The other thing that happens is when you're coaching, the energy, if you think about it sort of as water, like flowing, is flowing from you to the other person and offer, say a sales offer requires a good. Yo, this is Christian D. Evans with Journey with Christian
1: D. Evans podcast. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to our amazing podcast. This is where we reveal the top 1% of business concepts and systems and processes to scale eight and nine figure businesses. We interview top level eight and nine figure CEOs, business owners, and amazing TEDx speakers like David Meltzer, we got Nick Cavuto, Pascal Bachman, and so many others. And if you feel like this resonates with you, please share this with your friend, your family, and make sure you impact them as well because we're trying to spread the message on those that do not know how to scale eight, nine figure businesses and talking higher level business concepts. So guys, remember, enjoy the episode and be uncommon if you can. Cheers. Thank you so much for tuning in to Journey with Christian D. Evans podcast. I am your host, Christian D. Evans. Now, would you love to sell your services for twice as much money, twice as often? If you'd like to raise your fees find the words to close big sales with ease so you can fill your business high quality, high paying clients, you're going to love this next guest. And I'm so excited about it because this individual has been in 22 years experience in sales, relationship coaching, communication studies, so she can understand what it really takes to inspire people to take decisive action. Her results of her expertise, she sold over $14 million in products and services, working for world-leading billion-dollar biotech and medical equipment companies, all through one-on-one sales consultations. Her one-call blueprint sales consultation system enabled her to grow her own sales coaching and consulting company to a million-dollar-plus business. Clients include brands such as JJ Virgin, Lisa Sasevich, and E-Women Network, as well as hundreds of other heart-centered, mission-driven entrepreneurs from around the world. Now, the system she's created and teaches her students get paid handsomely for their services and products has enabled her to create a lifestyle business that's allowed her husband to retire from her career, his career in home construction, and work full-time with this woman, my next guest, Jennifer Deep Stratton. How are you doing today,
0: Jennifer? I am so awesome. How are you doing, Christian D. Evans?
1: Hey, I'm so excited about diving into this because I mean, you just have immense knowledge. And one of the things I literally just got off a phone call uh, early this uh, early this morning, and they're like, "I suck at sales. I need better at sales." And uh, you know, there's just not enough salespeople out there that are really good at what they do. And mm-hmm. that's one of the reasons why I'm really excited about diving into this conversation because you know, at the end of the day, we spend so much money on marketing on the front end to acquire a client. And the thing is, is you want to make sure you're maximizing that sales opportunity. And so, Jennifer, before we dive into though. I'd love to get your response. What do you think majority of business owners, when they have a sales team, what do you think they're doing wrong? I ah,
0: <laughs> love it. What, okay, well, if I, I want to speak specifically to there's not enough good salespeople out there, there's a lot of really good salespeople that you're not giving the right tools to to be effective for you. That's just that's just the bottom line. And there's a lot of people that aren't very effective, but here's what I've seen. You can have the most amazing salesperson work for somebody that doesn't have an amazing offer and they will fail. They, I mean, and you know, but you give a good salesperson a great offer with a great business owner with a great funnel and they'll crush it for you.
1: I love it. I love it. And that's, uh, that's, that's, that's stabbed to the heart, but you're right, though. There are plenty of people, but like you said, you've got to make sure you find the right system. So what do you think majority of these business owners are doing wrong? Do you think it's the offer structure and that's the reason why that conversions suck? Or do you think it's more training and developing their people and really giving them up a really good opportunity to, to, to convert?
0: Yeah. The where I see people get stuck a lot is especially the transition from I'm selling this, I'm the business owner. Now I'm going to have a team do it. That's a place where a lot of people get stuck. And the reason I see is because as the owner, you, you know, your product intimately, you're probably cutting customized deals, one-offs. Oh, wait, that's not my main offer, but I could do this for you. Like you're doing all of this, what I would call sales shenanigans, non-scalable sh- sales shenanigans, but you can do that when it's just you. And then you develop uh, really an unconscious competence. And you're charming because you're the entrepreneur. So you do that, you're charming, you have this unconscious competence, but you don't have a way to transfer that knowledge onto a sales person or a sales team. And so anyone that you hire has to kind of guess like, what are those top key five benefits? What is the top mark? What, what is the marketing positioning? Why is this really better from like the competition? You know, the owner might know 20 competitors, but you you're new and you're like, I don't know who the competitor. Is. So you start to form your own assessments and all of those things that the entrepreneur took, you know, it took them years to figure out how to sell into that market. They don't give any of that information. They don't mean not to, they just don't know that they know it. So then the sales team fails.
1: Well, what I find so interesting, just like you saying, is that transformation, right? And they don't have any system, they don't have any process. And like you said, you have to track those high caliber individuals, but you also have to give them the right opportunity and the right structure to make sure, hey, we've got this dialed in, we've got some cool lead acquisition, you just show up and you, you, you just, you know. Dialed it in. Um, Now, when you're working, let's say you're a business owner and you're trying to look for those higher caliber sales individuals, what should you be looking for and what kind of systems or what kind of like homework, right, Um, to help you identify really quickly who not to work with and who to work with?
0: Yeah, so when I, I used to work in biotech and one of the questions that often came up was, Uh, So I used to sell, we used to sell scientific equipment that my last job in corporate was science equipment. So I sold microscopes to research scientists. So this is a super hot, very technical. These are not like the little microscopes you see in the museum, but these are like room size with lasers and the whole thing. And there was always this question, do you take the scientist and teach him how to sell? Because the scientist understands the technology and the equipment and teach him how to sell. Or do you teach the salesperson and teach them the technology, right? So do they have knowledge in the product or knowledge of sales? And to have the success quickly, which is of course what every company wants is to have fast success with a new person. They need both. And most companies, what I see is they don't know whether or not they really need to hire somebody that has sales experience, which I would always recommend that if you have a high level offer, Get the person with a track record selling a similarly priced or higher priced, high level offer with a similar level of technical knowledge. Like I came in, I didn't know anything about microscopes, but I had sold a highly technical product before, right? And then you got to give them the sales tools. But if you're trying to take the scientist who doesn't have a sales personality and teach some selling, that's going to take you a lifetime.
1: I love that. I love that. And so now my question then is when you're walking through that process because I'm a big believer in that 100% and it's it's hard to cater and hard to balance both of those. Definitely running a business and then obviously implementing a new salesperson and having that uh, that that infrastructure. What are certain systems or processes that could facilitate that? Um, and what I mean by that is like having like recordings and say, hey, watch these recordings, educate yourself on those technical things. So then of course you can duplicate yourself as a business owner a little bit. But I'd love to kind of get a little bit more example or dive deep into those systems and processes that could sure. Implement.
0: I have a whole I have a whole list. <laughs> So when we build these for our clients or, to, or tell them to build them, uh, there's several things. So one, we start with, we actually have a messaging uh, process that we go through to help draw out, number one, what are the key messages that have actually been selling your product or could sell your product better? So if it's a big company, then we might go in and look at the best practices for the messaging and positioning of the offer itself that becomes codified and systematized into a training manual. Okay, so that's number one. Number two, you need to have, uh, and and even if you're not ready to start bringing in salespeople, I definitely recommend doing this, is do keep recordings. You know, if you're in a one-on-one sales consultation, record them all. I tell my people record them all because either you're going to sell something or you're going to learn something. That starts to form a library of, like these are the five people that are ideal clients. It was a perfect close. Here's five people that should have bought that I lost, <laughs> right. That I totally blew. And then here's me answering, you know, the top 10 objections it's right. So it starts to formal library. So recordings are super great. Um, and then of course, they have to be trained in your sales process. Is it a one call close? Is it two calls? Are they pre-screened ahead of time? Right? They need to see all that. And then I like to have a vetting process where, or, or, a step, if you will, where they're tested their quiz. Like I'm not going to cut them loose, especially on a high end offer where it, you know, it costs you thousands of dollars to get a lead. It's just going to cut them loose. They're going to watch you shadow you several times and then you're going to shadow them, but you're, you know, it's the two of you together. And then eventually you can get them off training wheels and on their own.
1: Well, it's interesting. And, and this might be more of a marketing question, but like, I think, you know, marketers, they, they, they destroy a opportunity that's working so often because they just they just reiterate way too much and obviously webinars and then obviously more like, uh, you know, scheduling a phone call and so forth and all that stuff. And so my question is, is, is that still effective in today's world? I know there's a little bit more marketing question, but I'd like to get your response because you are in the sales side of things. And obviously the show up rate is is very it's a big metric. Obviously, the close ratio and obviously the pitch, uh, what, what that looks like and obviously on the back end. Um, so. Do you find that as effective or is it more of outreach and having like BDRs and doing a lot of outreach and warming those those individuals up and then having that sales uh, sales call?
0: Oh, you mean like if they're coming through a long marketing funnel, that kind of thing? Yeah,
1: yeah. From paid acquisition or something like that. And they watch a video and then they schedule a phone call. And then obviously that's more of a, a sales phone call, basically. Well, have yeah. you found that as effective or is it just different channels? It just depends.
0: I think it really depends. I I really think it depends on the industry that you're selling into. I mean, there's some industries where you're not going to get people to watch a webinar. They're just not. So you've got to be the person that has a really outstanding message that they, you know, appears, you know, in their LinkedIn, or you figure out how to get past the gatekeeper. But other industries... You know, what I find in our, in our business is if somebody has consumed an hour of our content, they're much more likely to buy than if they've only consumed 15 minutes. So we try to push everyone through through at least an hour of content and maybe more, but that doesn't mean a really good salesperson can't be effective. It's just a matter of resources. You know, it really is like how many, how long are you going to keep your salespeople talking to really terrible leads Sometimes yeah. it helps yeah. just to put an extra little piece so that they're talking to twice as many qualified leads, or even a, a, um, an appointment setter can do that job, you know, mm-hmm. a 10 minute qualification call.
1: Definitely, definitely. Now, when you're talking uh, high high level sales, okay, uh, you're talking large amounts of money, right? Yeah, that is your exp- uh, expertise, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what have you found is the most effective? Is it a two call? strategy? Is it a one call? Again, I know it's probably dependent upon that industry, but Mm -hmm. if you could maybe walk me through when they should, as a business owner, when they should be leveraging more of a one call uh, versus a two call, and then having that kind of um, sales cycle.
0: Yeah, this is, I think it's so dependent on the industry that you're in. I think, here's what I like to think about though, is I like to think that if if I assume that it's a two call close, how can I make it into a one call close? Like, what are the things that I actually need to pre-think through or that they're going to need to see that I need to be ready with? So always challenging and pushing the envelope. So when I used to sell these big room-sized microscopes, that could be 8, 10, 12 meetings because a lot of it's custom. It has to go through multiple decision makers. But we used to shrink that time by literally thinking, okay, well, at the end of this meeting that I'm about to have, they should be ready to go to the budget meeting. But what if I could get everybody who needed to be in the budget meeting into this meeting so they could actually make a decision right there? So if you start to think through that, I think that can speed up your sales process. But as far as one call versus two call versus multi-call closes, I think that in any case where someone can pull out a credit card and actually pay you, you can do a one call close. It's just why, why belabor the point? The only exception would be if you had something highly customized, which, as my friend used to say a business built on exceptions is never exceptional. So let's try to standardize our offers 90 to 95%. And then in the rare instance, then do something custom, because it's much faster if you come in with your preset packages that, you know, are going to serve 95% of your audience and you can do it in one call. That's, that's better.
1: Now, when you're talking, um, a sales phone call versus Zoom? Because a lot of people I'm noticing in this industry are pushing more towards Zoom because it is more personable. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's a little bit, you know, you can kind of read the body language a little bit. Um, my question is, what what are you seeing? When you work with your sales you know, team and, and those business owners and so forth and the, your clients, have you found that that is like, it, it's worth testing or is it effective, not effective? What have you noticed?
0: I like the phone. Like I'm kind of old school, I guess that way. But when you're on the phone, it forces you to listen better and you don't have the visual cues distracting you and you don't have yourself that you're worried about whether you look good or not, you know? So I, you know, and you know, for me, I'll sit on the phone and I'm like, try not to jump in and interrupt them. And so I'll literally sit on my hand or put my hand over my mouth because I don't want to interrupt Right. I want to, I want to do a good job, but you can't do that. So so I still really like the phone. A lot of my clients have gone to zoom just because people don't seem to have phone calls anymore, (laughs) but I think the phone is our, it's a great tool. You can hear little things in people's voices, little hesitations that you miss. If you're looking at them, I don't know. It's kind of weird.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good to know, because I was just curious. I, 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 I was noticing a little bit more push toward the, the Zoom, uh, mm-hmm. but I do like that approach as well. Now, you have an incredible free resource here, the High Ticket Selling Revolution, and you dive deep into nine uh, secrets to increase your fees, convert more sales, and magneti- magnetically attract top dollar clients. Now, I love that approach, and I love that. Walk me through, and I, I don't want to walk through all nine, right? They got to go get the thing out on your website, right? But just walk me maybe three or four of them and kind of give us a little bit of taste of, of what that looks like.
0: Yeah. Well, so here's the thing. I'm super introverted. I remember when I first started in sales, laying on my like office floor, I was in my home office and the carpet's like vacuumed in stripes, you know, when the vacuum lays the fibers down because it was easier for me to vacuum my whole house than to make those phone calls. You know, my, my laundry's washed, my, my kitchen's clean. My dog's teeth are clean. And I'm, I'm petrified. This is where I started petrified to make these calls. And so what I realized is that being this very shy, like painfully shy person, I went into sales because it was literally the scariest thing I can think of to do. Like Some people jump out of parachutes to get out or jump out of airplanes and go skydiving to get, you know, over their fear. I go into sales because I'm so afraid to talk to people and uh, thank goodness I did it because what I realized is being an introvert was actually to my advantage. I I had to figure it out. Like how do I, if I'm afraid to talk to people and I don't know what to say and I'm all tongue tied, what do I do? How do I figure this out? So one of the secrets that I learned is that if you ask the right questions, people will sell themselves. The right people will sell themselves. And I got really, cause I was afraid to talk. So I would just ask questions and the people would answer. I got so artful at asking questions that by the end, they're like, wait, well, don't do you have the thing that would f- help me with that? I'd say yes. And they're like, is it like this? Is it like this? I'm like, yeah. So then I could make my offer and I wouldn't feel like I was selling at all because they were literally asking me to make an offer to them. So it is one of the most, and whether you're introverted or extroverted, this is one of the most powerful tools you can use if you want to sell something. Is to actually, we reverse engineer, we design intentionally the questions we want to ask, and they're not like leading the witness, like an attorney, like you. You were there on the night of it, like it's not like that. But it's you start to understand where you want to bring the person's thinking through the questions that they're asking, and if they answer correctly, so to speak, they're going to be a perfect client. And if they don't answer the right way, they're not even a fit for your offer anyway. So no problem.
1: And I like that because, you know, I understand the power of questions, right? And uh, having a conversation and you've got to lead through, you know, um, questions. However, though, I think there's an art and science a little bit to it. And I'd love for you to walk us through because obviously, you know, as a salesperson, I know at some point in the conversation there are certain questions that I'm going to ask because I'm really getting data. And I'm going to at least at some point leverage that data and bring that data back up and say, Hey, you told me, Jennifer, that you wanted this and this and this. Is that still correct? Well, then mm-hmm. obviously, can you see how X? can get you this, this, and this. Wonderful, right? And so that's a part of the close. And so let me ask you, Jennifer, what are some really top solid questions that you've identified or you teach your clients uh, and, and their sales teams to really, you know, dial in their conversions and you know control that conversation?
0: Yeah. So this is, so there's sort of like your standard set of questions as a salesperson that you're always going to ask, those data gathering questions. There's a trick to it or an art to it, like you said, because you don't want it to feel to the other, to the, to the buyer that you're leading them. You know, they can smell it if you're trying to hook them on something that later on you're going to use against like that never works. So, so rule number one is you really have to genuinely want to know the answer to the question, like, like with sincerity and where you come from in that conversation is really a trusted advisor position, not a, I'm going to use this data against you. Right. So that's just across the board something you have to do. Um, so there's these standard questions that you're asked, like you're, you're like, well, what's happening here? Oh, wow. And then earlier you said this was happening for you. Do you see how this would help you? Right. So that's kind of normal stuff. So where we take it one level deeper is we want to understand, first of all, in the offer that you have, what are, the top five benefits. Not one, not two, but five. I wanna know deeply what are the top five things or reasons why people should buy from you and how they're different from everyone else in your same space. Okay, so you get what those are. Then you have to reverse, you really wanna reverse engineer questions that help you to understand whether or not they even need those things. So for example, I'll give you my example. So one of the things that I do, is, and one of our gifts is helping people to know exactly what to say and when to say it, so that people understand the value of what they have. Right? Because we do. For us, it's not about selling to every client; it's about selling value to the right clients. So I help you know what to say, when to say it, so your ideal client says yes to you. So because I'm wanting them to be someone who needs. To know what to say and when to say it. What are the problems my client is likely to have? Well, they often get tongue-tied. They often feel uncomfortable in a sales conversation because they don't know what to say and when to say it. So their ideal, right? They want ideal clients, not yucky clients. So those are the kinds of questions that I might. Some of the kinds of questions I might ask, like, so tell me, what's it like when you go to make an offer? How, How does that feel to you? Oh, I feel so tongue-tied. Oh, why do you feel tongue-tied? Oh, I just feel really uncomfortable with the sales part. Oh, and what happens? Are you able to work with lots of IDO clients? Or sometimes are you, like, what's going on there? Oh my gosh, I'm scaring all my IDO clients away. Boom, they just told me that they need that benefit. So later on in the conversation, when I say, hey, remember earlier when you were saying how uncomfortable you felt and you really wanted to get the right clients, but you were scaring them off? that's one of the things I help you with. And they're like, you do that? How did you know I needed that? Well, I knew because I asked, but I wasn't like leading the witness along. Hey, I'm not saying to them, hey, would you like to have an ideal client or a non-ideal client? Like that's never going to work. But if I ask them in this other way, then suddenly they're they're wanting the offer. It's like, oh, she must understand me so deeply. She's asked me all these amazing questions. How does she know that's what I want? And so that's how it works. Well,
1: so you can
0: design. Yeah, so you can design for every benefit. You can reverse engineer these questions. So by the time you start, finish asking them, they can't not buy.
1: I love it. I love it because see what you're doing is, is you're going into every conversation very strategic. And very mapped out and said, okay, these are what I want them to kind of say or, you know, kind of emphasize. And then you identify what questions to ask that will be able to, um, you know, facilitate the response that you're looking for. And like you said at the end, you're like, it's all aligned. You're like, well, of course, because guess what? And then also, what I find so interesting is also your offer. Because right, if they keep saying certain pain points, when actually all you have to do is adjust the offer, say, OK, well, if they don't want this, get rid of it and adjust the offer according to what they want. And now all of a sudden you're wondering why your sales conversions increase or because you're giving them what they're actually desiring on the front end. And uh, which I love that. I love that approach. Now, my question is, because see you mentioned something that I really want to talk about, because see, so many of us have been on. You know, schedule a phone call. Okay, this is going to be a sales phone call. And we've all have some sales experience and definitely when you're talking B2B. Okay, business to business, whether you're a service provider, whether you're, you know, whatever industry, but you're working B2B world, okay, agency owner or something. And my question is, the conversation is slightly different. It's not too different. It's still emotional. It's still having a conversation. It's still giving value and so, and so forth. But it is, you can't walk through a basic B2C kind of conversation because there it's more emotional and you can walk them through, you know, get better conversions through that. But you're talking to someone that's already been in the sales field. You're talking to an expert. They've already been on pitches, if you will. And sure. so my question is, is how do you approach that slightly different, still having that good dialogue, that conversation, staying away from all the factual stuff that you think they really want, but they really don't. Mm-hmm. And, and being able to still have that, like, uh, you know, collapse in that sales cycle.
0: Yeah. I, I, I love that question. Cause we have, you know, we have people that are B2C technically, and then real, like the, our, our business clients that have very successful businesses. Some of my best clients are some of the best salespeople in the world. I love that I get to be the salesperson, the sales coach. You know, I, I love it. So, so it just goes faster. I mean, honestly, it just goes faster. You you're really asking the same questions. But you're probably not asking as many of them, and you're just real astute. You know, so it might be. I in fact, I asked a client the other day. I said, "So, why is it important to you that you make this change right now?" And he was like, "I want to make eight billion dollars." Because I want to make a dollar for every person in the world to teach them about the golden rule. And that was our whole like feely conversation was that long. But at the end, he was like, okay, let's go. It was 45 minutes. It was half the time, half the effort and way faster, (laughs) made much easier. Well, because um,
1: I I think it's interesting. And maybe you see this and I'd like to get your perspective on this. Because one, the sales cycle tends to be a little longer for B2B, right? Sometimes it's not one Mm -hmm. to two. Now, I don't know if that's just more of a limiting belief or if that's just industry specific. And
0: mm-hmm. then as
1: well as two, do you find that a lot of individuals when you're talking to C-suite um, and, and you know, directors of marketing and so forth, and you're talking more factual because they want to know, okay, well, what service? What service are you providing? And what's the result that I'm going to get from that service and so forth? And, and it's not much of, like you said, that touchy-feely. I uh, mm. said, okay. Why do you want to generate these results? Well, what would you want to do? You want to go and enjoy life with the, you know, Caribbean with your family, right? It's not that emotional, right? That dream. It's more of okay. I'm I'm looking at very factual and so forth. But I just wanted to get your perspective on that, um, yeah. and, and kind of get your feel for what what you see.
0: Yeah, I think I, I think it's both. You know, sometimes B two B, but it's also the kind of person. Sometimes we'll get people that are just more factual and you almost have to intuitively mirror them, you know? So if you have somebody who's in HR and they're very emotional, you're going to do a more of an emotional approach, more feelings-based approach, you know? So it's not necessarily industry, but I do get what you're saying. Like, I don't sell to my scientists the same way I would sell to, you know, a relationship, you know, a, a marriage coach, right? They're different people. But at the end of the day, I think that, the, in that sort of facts-based thing, you're still, you should still be asking those questions. Like what's wrong with your current solution? Why is that? And they're like, well, this solution doesn't work. Okay, well, why doesn't it work? Why is it frustrating to you? What are your biggest headaches around that solution? So you're not asking them how they feel, but what are the biggest frustrations you have? Well, this one doesn't work. This one I tried for four months and it was frustrating. Like you still have to understand how the problem is happening to them. It won't, it won't sound like emotions are probably not going to cry, but they are expressing frustration and they are expressing um, irritation or whatever is that quote unquote pain. And I think that we just, we don't want to avoid the question because it's a business environment. And we think that, oh, it's business. So I can't go there. No, you still go there. It's like, well, what do you want it to look like? That's the dream question for a business B2B type. sale. what do you want it to look like? What would your ideal outcome be? What would the environment be like here? That's like a really great way to say feeling for a corporation. What would be be the culture? Like those those are all feeling questions. So they're just, they just sound a little different. And then then they can pretend like they're not having emotion, but they're like, I think she really got me or I think, you know, (laughs) like, wow, I really get your vision. Like, where do you see this going? Why does this matter to you? And they're going to answer you. It might only be three words, but they say some, but it's a, even if it's three words, those are really three very important words that if we didn't ask the question, I think we would be missing something.
1: I love it. I love it. Now. When you're in that sales pitch, okay, uh, because obviously asking questions is majority of the front end of, of that conversation, uh, gathering that data, like I mentioned. And like you said, you're aligning those benefits with those that, that data on the front of those questions. Now, at what point do you overcome those objections? And let me ask you. So, Jennifer, when you're overcoming objections, should you be overcoming objections in the beginning of the conversation and making sure that you're having that? Or should it be on the back end, all of a sudden you're like, oh, they're bringing up all this stuff. And then that's when I um, kind of directly have that conversation with them.
0: Yeah, so my, sort of one of my signature moves, if you will, is to actually never hear an objection in the first place. I would much rather never get the objection than have to deal with them later. Because man, it's so much easier if you just grease the road ahead of time. So, but we don't we don't go through it like, Uh, hey, how much money do you have so that I don't have to have a money objection later? That would be crazy. That would not work. But what I might talk about is um, I I want to to pre-think the objection that's probably going to happen. So for example, if they're probably going to say, wow, that's more expensive than I realized, then somewhere in my marketing or somewhere in the beginning of my conversation, we're going to be talking about our premium level offer. Or I might position it against some kind of price anchor. Like, um, you know, if I'm doing a webinar, if I'm doing some marketing, I might say, you know, you know, when we work with people privately, it's $20,000 a day. And so by the time they get to my offer and it's 5,000, they're like, they were expecting it to be a higher price, right? So we want to start to build that stuff in as early as we can so that we're. But we're kind of weeding out the people who aren't a fit and also we're not going to get those objections. Now there might be some at the end, but I also like to tell people I train there there really are no objections. The ultimate the objection is they hung up. If they're objecting, they're gone. <laughs> Anything else they say that's not yes, you either get yes, they hang up, or what's in the middle, which people call objections, is really a buying signal. It's really a buying signal. So even I've even had a, a person say, I don't get the value of that. Well, that's a buying signal. They're saying, please tell me the value of that. I didn't quite catch it, right? I mean, that's like the best buying signal ever. So I think a lot of times we think that they're objections and really we're just not doing a good job of listening.
1: I like that. I love that approach because it is a different perspective and the way you look at it. And, and I also, I was talking to someone literally at a conference a few weeks ago, and they were saying, I, this is the first time I've ever heard this, is Sadie Hawkins uh, sales. And basically what that means is the person <laughs> asking them for your offer. Right. And kind of what you're basically saying, I thought that was brilliant. I thought I've never heard of it said that way. But like you were saying, you give them so much value, ask so many questions. And then they say, well, what do you do? Well, actually, that's what I do. And it's like, oh, well, can you help me? And that, that value base instead of that, like you said, that, um, that, that just so close in sales process. And like we we come across in sales, we want to make sure we're giving an immense amount of value. Um, because let's be honest, we've all been on sales phone calls. Really, hasn't been any value transferred, but it's just more of like, okay, identify the pain, pour salt in it. Okay, well, this is the solution. Do you want it? Okay, wonderful. Let's dive into it. Um, now, walk me through this because there has been some coaching, right, where people just coach and they're wondering why I'm I'm coaching. I invited this customer, but why am I not closing? So oh. there is this there is this balance. So I'd love for you to walk me through that a little bit.
0: Oh, so great. Yeah. So don't coach on your calls. Just don't do it. Don't give a free advice. Don't coach. Don't do it. Doesn't work. (laughs) So here, here I'll walk, I'll break it down though. So, so here's what happened. We, for the most part, we, we want to make the sale, but we also really want to help people in the process. Right. And we want to provide value on the call. So if you want to provide value on the call, whether or not they work with you, right? Because in, in, the, in the best scenario, if the person doesn't buy right now, they should come back in two weeks and buy because you were so great. Maybe their time, maybe the timing wasn't quite right or they were waiting for an inheritance or whatever that is, right? So, so we have to provide value regardless of whether they buy on that call or not. So where most people go is they can't figure out what actually provides value. They don't know what about the conversation is actually providing value. So where they go is they go to coach or, or they've been to some training where they were taught to do free coaching and then ask for the offer, which do, it just doesn't work. I, I have a lot of those people come as clients. It doesn't work. So, and here's why it doesn't work. Because if you're coaching, two things happen. One, you're not, you're not creating any kind of gap for the person. And a gap is necessary. A gap meaning here's where you are now. Here's where you want to get to. My offer closes the gap. So if you're coaching, you are not having a conversation to create a gap. You're you're having a conversation to close a gap because that's what good coaching does. So there is no impetus for the next offer. Doesn't work. Period. The other thing that happens is when you're coaching, the energy, if you think about it sort of as water like flowing, is flowing from you to the other person, and offer a sales offer requires a good sales offer requires that you're standing here and they're flowing towards you. You want to open the door and they want to step through. Okay. So if I'm flowing all the energy towards them, they can't come to me and buy. They're like, thanks. And they get washed out down the river with your really awesome coaching. And they're like, see you later. I got it. I love you. I appreciate you so much. And then you're like, what happened? Well, because the energy was wrong. And if you try to turn that energy around as a coach, it feels super awkward because here you are helping them and being all generous. And then you're like, and can I have money now? Like, it's just icky. Doesn't work. So, so, So if coaching doesn't work to provide the value, then we have to have some other conversation that provides value, whether they buy or they don't buy. And that's where people are totally stumped. They're like, well, if I can't coach, how can I possibly give any value? I gotta teach something. No, you don't have to teach anything. You don't have to coach anything. You don't have to give any advice. What you need to do is you need to ask really good questions that illuminate for the person what the real issue is. So Einstein is quoted as saying, if I had an hour to solve a problem, I would spend the first 55 minutes figuring out the question. Right, So if you can ask questions that help people to really connect to the source of their problem or understand why it's been going on or really help them see that they could solve it, but all of the reasons, like a lot of it might be even like being okay that you don't know the answer yet, like to give people that freedom just through asking really great questions has tremendous value and you didn't solve anything, they're like, oh my gosh, nobody's ever listened to me that, that like that before. I didn't realize that that's actually what's been going on for me and I never understood it before. Wow, can you help me with that? That's it, it's so simple, but most people don't know.
1: Wow, I love that and um, just a total paradigm shift from what is being really kind of in the industry right now talking about all these sales clothes and how to really overcome these objections and this and that and i think it's so incredible and the reason why i'm saying this is because we spend so much of our time how to overcome this oh this is how to do it have a guarantee have this i mean all these little tricks and what you're basically you're blowing that whole concept up just by saying hey give them value and asking better questions and having just that energy like you said that that relational energy uh that they go wow I just want to join you, whatever you're doing, because you, you just, I, I feel very connected and had that whole conversation, the whole process and transformation for that client. Uh, I think that's awesome. I'm curious, though, Jennifer, because coming from the medical sales, right, yeah. to this, where did you learn this and, and where did that come from? Were you always naturally that that just – you know, astute sales, you know, energetic individual. I know you just said that you're an introvert. So obviously that's not true. So I'd love for you to tell us a little bit of your story there.
0: I'll tell you, Christian, I, I've taken many, many sales trainings, many negotiation trainings. When I was in corporate, they used to send me to all the, all the things I went to all the professional selling skills and the, the places that you go. And I think that, What's really come out of that for me is trying to figure out how to take these systems, which clearly can be effective, but having them work for me. You know, Because if you look at the structure of any conversation, there's the opening, there's the part where you ask the questions about what's wrong, there's the part where you present the solution and the part where you get the money, right? So it's that's not rocket science. But for me, um, because I was in a very competitive environment, so when I was selling microscopes, one of the things that we had to do was I worked, there was only four companies that sold microscopes, like the big ones. And I worked for one of the big manufacturers. And I knew, I'd been in the industry long enough that I knew that that if I was being called in to bid on a deal, so these scientists would get grant money every 10 years, and then they would call all the vendors and we all had to present our stuff. I knew what my competition would be saying about me and my or my equipment before I even got in the room because I'd been around long enough I knew what their features were I knew what ours were I knew how they stacked up I knew what they would say that would say that ours was so I just figured out how to sell all around them. like I know that on Thursday when they come that they're going to say this so since my appointment is before theirs I want to like take all the punch out of that. So by the time the other person gets there, my competition gets there and they say whatever the thing is that they were going to say, why well, mine is no good. The scientist is going to say, oh yeah, I heard that already from Jennifer. And I already know that that's not true because da, 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 Like, so it's very, it's all kind of a chess game, I think. And, and where it translated to where we are now is not that people are a chess game <laughs> that didn't come out right, but that that really understanding that there's like a psychology of where people want to get to. And if we have to bring people through these four pieces of the conversation, otherwise they're not going to buy. And then we can't help them. Like if they don't buy, we can't really help them. And so if you understand that, then we have to figure out, okay, well, how can I ask those questions in a way that works for me? Like, I can't, I can't inflict pain, especially if I'm a coach or I'm a healer. I'm not going to go in and try to inflict pain on people, pour salt on their wound, like you said, and then make an offer like that doesn't feel right. So how can I do it in a way that works for me? How can I design questions that actually support them and have them feel loved and heard and cared for and all of those wonderful things and still create the offer or the impetus for the offer and get the yes. And so that's what we, I came up with. I think I just adapted it over time because I had to. I, just, I didn't know how to be that shiny person that took people to baseball games. I didn't know how to do it. It was just well, not my thing. Well, I love that because it's such a psychological approach as
1: well. You know, when you're talking with these individuals, you already know the objections or that, that conversation that other individuals are going to have, those sales, you know, pitches. And it's like, hey. I know Billy Bob's gonna say this, and guess what? That's gonna be this, this, and this. And you're able to identify that. And then like you said, you plant that seed in there. So when they expect it, it's not some sort of big red alert. Uh, and I find that so interesting because what I've noticed psychologically, it's like once you embrace it almost, and then just acknowledge whatever they're saying, then you can you really push forward. Uh, I just think it's beautiful, beautiful. Now, uh, Jennifer, you do have an incredible gift for our audience, uh, but before we sh- um, kind of share that, if you could tell us, how can our audience reach out to you? Be part of what you've got going on. Uh, what are their, you know, second sales? They got a sales team. They want to grow it. They have a sales team established, and they want to, you know, obviously develop some amazing conversions. How can our audience reach out to you? Be part of what you've you got going on. And if you could share, share the incredible gift you got for our audience as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Christian. Yeah. So here's where we're at. We will, we will support you in our, in our genius to be your genius, and we really will help you design incredible high end offers and know how to sell them. So we walk through each of these pieces like you and I were talking about earlier. How do you create the materials for your sales team so that they're actually successful? Or how do you do it for yourself? You know, How can you actually write the right questions? How do you actually have that conversation? What's your sales process for your company? So we work with people in that way. And for very select people, we'll actually even uh, partner with you and bring our sales team and do some selling for you on your behalf. So for select people. And, But I would say the probably the easy way to get a hold of me is to grab that free gift, highticketsellingbook.com. And in there, that is the High Ticket Selling Revolution, nine secrets to increase your fees and magnetically attract top dollar clients who want to hire you before ever meeting you. Um, And that's highticketsellingbook.com.
1: That's awesome, guys. And those links will be in the description below. So make sure you stop literally what you're doing and consume her content because you want to be proactive, not reactive. You don't want to have an amazing acquisition channel. And all of a sudden you, you're you like, oh, I can't, I can't fulfill as well as have amazing sales team. Uh, you've got to dial that in and obviously really develop and scale. And that's how you really produce those bigger results. And so, you know, Jennifer is an expert at that and able to help you walk through that, not just as the sales training, but a mentor all around holistically. Uh, and then as well as Jennifer... Again, just the incredible value. I really appreciate it sharing with our audience. Uh, But before we let you go, is there any last words of wisdom that you'd like to share with them? Make
0: the decision to do it well (laughs) and win. You just got to decide. And here's what I would tell you to do. Decide to sell high-end and premium services. Even if you don't have that in your business, add it into your business because it will. you can rapidly double your sales. If you do the math, man, especially if you have a great acquisition channel, improving that sales process a little bit, you could probably sell something for twice as much money and provide a better service.
1: Awesome. I love it. That is my friend, Jennifer. Thank you again for joining. That is Journey with Christian Devon's podcast. Until next time, remember, be uncommon if you can. Yo, this is Christian D. Evans, Journey with Christian D. Evans podcast. We thank you so much for listening to this amazing episode. If you feel and you know that this was valuable to you, please show some love to our amazing guests by liking this, by commenting on this, by making sure that you do a nice five-star review and just show some love to our guests. That'd be really awesome. Also, make sure you share this with a friend, a family, a colleague, someone that you believe would bring value to their life right now. and. Guys, we just wanna say thank you again for just being part of our community. If you wanna have more resources, don't be afraid. Go to ChristianDevans.com. You can actually schedule a phone call with me or you can send me an email at Christian.Evans at BeUncommonIfYouCan.com. That's Christian.Evans at BeUncommonIfYouCan.com. Always love to hear some feedback and let me know what is the number one or two things that you are struggling in your business and your life and we'll make sure we have those conversations. Guys, that is Journey with Christian Davin's podcast, and until next time, remember, be uncommon if you can. Cheers.